We're talking running back usage, wide receivers to target for the rest of the season, and much, much more on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by SquadQL. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined by my co-host today, it is Mr. Sean Siegel, uh, the co-owner of Rotoviz, and you can find Sean on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, I just uh, popped into my head as we started recording, this is episode 10 of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, so it's good that uh, we haven't been cancelled yet, but I suppose it helps that uh, I help coordinate the channel and you uh, own part of Rotoviz, so it probably helps to, to keep us on the airwaves. So obviously it was a really, really interesting week in week three. It's hard to believe there's three of the weeks already down, but a lot, a lot of good acts, and I really enjoyed watching it this week. I didn't have as much, uh, I didn't have as many of those feelings inside my body where it felt like everything in the world was against me, so it, it went pretty good. Uh, how did you find week three? Well, any week where you get another big game, first first half blowout there from Patrick Mahomes, he's he's kind of been our uh lead the way guy this this year both for the podcast and for my uh weekly observation article obviously grew up in kansas city huge chiefs fan uh <laughs> listeners know that already but another very exciting week there when you can combine that with tyler boyd's official breakout now he had the solid week in week two but clearly week three uh, was where he solidified himself still has plenty of work to maintain that and prove himself as a long-term uh nfl not just starting receiver but but well above average starter kind of a, the guy the the team can go to the guy fantasy owners can go to but that week three performance i think we'll all look back as the week that tyler boyd really announced himself at the nfl level and, and put those two things together uh, that's a pretty fun week yeah, and when we were looking at it in the preseason, we talked a lot about Tyler Boyd. It was nice on Sunday. Sometimes when you make the wrong calls, uh, like happens from time to time, uh, social media can take a very harsh turn on your account. But this week, uh, I've seen it quite a different few people. J- Jacob Rickrode in particular, giving you a lot of credit in terms of uh, the call for Boyd in the preseason. And it's obviously working out so far, a really solid start to the season for him. And if we look through some of the wide receivers we were talking about through the off season, you know, like Galladay had another big week. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, has just, continue to go uh, and step forward yet again another 100 yard game for him so lots of stuff that we probably will touch on a little bit later in the show uh, i want to mention at the start of the show too mike randall one of the podcast hosts here does the fantasy beat on a weekly basis he has a, a special edition of road of his radio that's up on the patreon page this week he t- had an interview with dr david chow formerly the physician for the san diego chargers when they were in san diego obviously now they're the la chargers but they broke down a lot of different information about injuries not just current injuries which they did talk on towards the end of the show but they also talked about injuries from a general perspective and how the nfl deals with it and how they're treated and sometimes it's not generally exactly how we think that it happened so it's a very very good interview i checked that out it's up on the road of his patreon page which of course as we mentioned on previous shows you can get access to for six dollars per month and also get the road of his live shows i want to mention at the start of the show as well that fantasymath.com are also a sponsor of today's edition of the show we all have those decisions to make each week who do we start how do we start and how to go about it uh, every week it can be a tough one fantasymath.com is here to help with those big calls need to choose between player x and player y put your matchup into the fantasy math calculator 
and let it make those big calls for you a player's variability whether you're the favorite the correlations across your matchup fantasy math does all that takes it all into account and helps you make the right lineup call it's purely matchup specific and right now rotoviz listeners get a season membership for just 20 dollars using the link rotoviz.fantasymath.com don't miss that out it is a great opportunity to help set those lineups it is rotoviz.fantasymath.com for that 20 dollar special offer so sean let's get straight into it it is the 15 we are still rolling patrick mahomes is rolling i just got to say like i was dealing with the patrick mahomes hype and i was enjoying how he was playing i was interested i was staying along i was waiting for it to fall off a little bit but man on that pass that he threw to chris conley at the back of the end zone after being under pressure that was just i i actually just like just sat there and that was just a thing of beauty uh really really even from what he had done previously i thought that throw was just uh, absolutely magnificent uh, so how, how are you enjoying uh, mr mahomes over over three weeks of the season are you expecting him to uh to keep this up at long term obviously we expect him to do well but how well can he keep doing well we've been talking a lot about this and i think now you have to start to consider him as a potential to have one of those elite peyton manning drew Brees, tom brady types of seasons where yes there is an, an upper limit to how many points a quarterback can score but we've seen in very specific instances very specific environments when you have one of these top quarterbacks that in any given season they can have everything come together perfectly and do something like throw for 50 touchdowns, throw for 5,000 yards. I don't think Mahomes is going to need that many yards because of just how efficient the offense is. But when you're looking at the touchdowns and you're looking at the people he has at his disposal, this was again an exciting week because Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins were very involved, more involved than Tyreek Hill. Of course, with all that Mahomes did, he also had a perfect 50-yard pass uh, that he laid directly down into Hill's arms uh, at the goal line. And very, very few quarterbacks can make that. You mentioned the the running sidearm dart to Conley in the end zone. Very few QBs can make that. That one obviously went for the touchdown. The Hill one was batted away with great play by Richard Sherman at the last second. But as opposed to these situations where you can look back in, in most of the games where uh, a quarterback will have a huge performance or a different type of player and say, well, it took, it took this and it took this and it took this and all those pieces had to come together. For Mahomes, we almost have the opposite situation where he's very close to even having bigger weeks. And certainly if the 49ers had scored better in the first half, we might've seen a, a we might've seen a 50 point game for the chiefs. Those types of games are coming. So well, this pace may be ahead of where he ends up, the, the final numbers are going to be extraordinary. Yeah, it looks that way. And you mentioned, you know, if, if it had been closer uh, in the first half, if the, the uh, 49ers had been able to keep up with it, uh, it may have had, the, you know, they may have had to keep their foot on the gas and push on. So just uh, extraordinary. And uh, as a Packers fan, you know, that, that one to Connolly, uh, it really just struck me as a, a kind of play that Aaron Rodgers would make. And uh, that's kind of the level that we're starting to look at long term to see uh, how how this guy can uh, put it up the other couple of interesting things this week in the article i was interested to read about christian mccaffrey um, you know the panthers aren't that exciting you know when you're watching them uh, from a perspective of just watching them as an nfl team but they're certainly getting the job done and christian mccaffrey is a big big part of that at 28 carries is there a concern that 
uh, he can hold up to this workload. He is like, you know, those concerns coming in, could he hold up to the workload? But it seems so far like he is doing so. And even though CJ Anderson had a, a touchdown this week, it still is really the Christian McCaffrey show having uh, Olsen out as well as helping him. So we're not seeing a huge amount from outside of the team, outside of McCaffrey, but what's your thoughts on him as we roll into week four and rest of season? It's crazy because we can quickly go from this situation where the real concern is, is he a running back? Even does he get carries? Can he run inside? And then we see this game where you know everything is right up the middle, right? I mean, McCaffrey is not one of those guys who's looking to bounce things outside. And certainly the way that they run uh, some of these option runs, that's, that's not what you're looking for uh, from him at all. And he explodes up the middle, carries tacklers. I mean, he's not someone who is necessarily going to lower the shoulder and knock down a much, much bigger player in that type of mold. But, you know, he gets off to the side, makes it difficult for those guys to square up. They don't get a clear shot on him, and then he drags another four or five yards. So he's not someone who doesn't have, uh, you know, the yard after contact ability either i mean you're looking at someone a little bit like a jamal charles where you have these this incredible ability at generating yards before contact which is a massively underrated running back skill but then he can generate those yards after contact as well we look at this we go flip quickly from is he a running back to 28 carries that's more really than we want to see we would prefer that to be down in the the 15 to 17 range and you know get those eight to ten targets so uh, he's now number three in rushing number two in receiving at the running back position it'd be better to get even more of those numbers in in the receiving game but McCaffrey he looks like what we were talking about where we're mentioning Marshall Falk and and those types of players now we just need him to get in the end zone yeah, and when you look at it as well, you know, you mentioned somebody who's just purely guaranteed to get that volume, uh, you know, this week 28 carries uh, and then the week before 14 pass catches. So he's going to get those opportunities no matter what. And even in around the goal line, my concern with uh, Panthers running backs like Jonathan Stewart in the past has always been the concern that Cam Newton will take away those rushing touchdowns. And even though Newton is doing the rushing touchdowns, there's still plenty to go around for Christian McCaffrey. So he just looks to be a, an absolute stud uh, in his second year in the league. Uh, somebody who did look very good this past week and you know for the lions it was one of those ones where i believe it's the first 100 yard rusher maybe since 2013 i don't have the stat in front of me but it's in quite some time so uh, 100 yard rushers in detroit haven't been around that much when uh, matthew stafford's been in town but carry on johnson had a really really solid game this past week uh touching over that mark the garrett blunt also uh looked not not brilliant but also looked uh, uh able to to do that job so i thought the way they set up the game uh, game plan against the Patriots worked very very well for them and then I mentioned at the start of the show Kenny Galladay looked really really good every week just continues to impress me further and further the Golden Tate looked good Marvin Jones got a touchdown so they looked like a really solid unit uh, and that wouldn't have been something we thought was going to happen after that week one demolition against the New York Jets so carry on Johnson I know he's somebody who you really like as a, a prospect what's your what's your thoughts on him uh, after this week's performance you have this patriots lions game and and much like the buffalo minnesota game it gives us a sense of again the any given sunday element and how quickly things can change for the lions from like you mentioned that week one disaster where they get destroyed by a new york jets team that is starting a rookie quarterback in the first game of the season they looked a lot better and carry on johnson is someone who really is the opposite of two or three of these other 
high profile rookie running backs where Johnson was a little bit more the afterthought certainly in rookie drafts he was usually going seventh uh sometimes eighth behind DJ Moore sort of the only running back from that top group that would slip behind wide receivers consistently certainly in individual drafts others would slip behind them from time to time but the metrics actually agreed with the Lions in this situation where the prospect lab liked him ahead of several of his other cohorts and his comps included people like Marshawn Lynch, Dalvin Cook, Melvin Gordon. Um, I think Cook and Gordon are probably stylistically more similar in terms of, of what he does. And, and he has that complement of agility, power, speed, not elite in any area, but when you put them together, looks like a very difficult back to take down and certainly the hybrid ability, right? So if he can start to cut into Theo Riddick's touch load target share, then the sky is the limit for him. And certainly in an offense where you have three, not elite, but a pen, but above average wide receivers and an above average quarterback, the opportunity is there. If they can run the ball, this offense could really take the jump. And so uh, I was talking about it yesterday with Matt Kelly, and, and he looks like he will be the number two rookie running back unless uh, something really changes for, for some of these other guys, unless Jones uh, starts to actually get to be active on a Sunday or we see some changes from someone like a Royce Freeman. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It's uh, the, the, it has, although there is some very positive parts uh, of this running back class, it has kind of fallen a little bit flat in its face in terms of our expectations uh, in the preseason. Uh, looking then at Baltimore, I've been they were a team kind of I talked about Washington as possibly a team that people would overlook in the off season. Baltimore was another one of those. Michael Crabtree's looked pretty good. Uh, I've I own a lot of John Brown, and he's had a major bounce back to the start of this season. But another position that I want to talk about is the running backs for Baltimore. Uh, it could be a possibility that we end up looking back later in the season that they could potentially have two starting caliber running backs in terms of the fantasy football circles um you know uh buck allen has looked pretty good in terms of uh, scoring points per opportunity he's scoring at the moment every eight opportunities could we see a situation similar to uh what we've seen with maybe the saints last year or the falcons the year before where we could have two guys that are you know top 24 options on a weekly basis yeah so we have the situation in atlanta and new orleans where those teams were explosive had a lot of the value from their offenses and then were able to create enough overall running back volume for the two players and then had two excellent players in those situations in baltimore may be a little bit different where their defense allows them to run the ball a lot in these games and then joe flacco has really bounced back and whether that's because of health which seems more likely or this narrative that the the rookie being drafted behind him has has really spurred him on as, as people think it did for alex smith either way this this offense is back on track moving the ball creating goal line opportunities and javorius allen is this perfect hybrid back where he is big and has plus agility. And so that's perfect for the receptions, perfect for the goal line touches. He's involved in both of those areas. His numbers are not going to stay where they are now, where he's tied with another one of our zero running back picks in Austin Eckler for the most points per opportunity. However, his profile does suggest that he will continue to get these high value touches and anytime you get those touches even if it's in a little bit more limited overall volume you've got a back that is is very interesting for fantasy football and certainly he's someone who when you have the buys when you have injuries that kind of thing is going to be a valuable contributor for fantasy owners 
So we're three weeks in. Hopefully last week you took the advice and went to squad QL and were able to set those lineups and be able to uh, get a win last week because it's hard if you're 0-3. Uh, you know, same as the NFL, if you start 0-3, it's pretty much uh, nigh on impossible then to head in and make the playoffs. We're trying to do the same thing in fantasy football and we have a couple of less weeks to actually make those playoffs. So uh, if you want to gain that advantage and you're heading towards the rest of the season, do check out squad QL. Squad SquadQL is the only mobile app you need to help crush your friends and fantasy football rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app directly links with Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league's scoring settings. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league's scoring setups. SquadQL is your go-to app for your fantasy football season. Head to Squad squadql.com and download squadql your all-in-one fantasy football manager squadql is also brought to you by the creators of rotoql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 dfs players and it will also help you uh, on those daily fantasy sites to earn that cash so you can head on over and download both apps now that is rotoql for free on both apple and android So, Sean, as we head into the third quarter, we're going to look a little bit at rookie wide receivers this week. And I have to say, uh, Calvin Ridley really stepped up in a major way in that Atlanta game. Uh, It was uh, an uh, amazing. You you touched on Drew Brees earlier, uh, and you said about, you know, could uh, Mahomes have a season similar to what we've seen from Drew Brees or Peyton Manning in the past? Drew Brees may be having one of those seasons at the moment in terms of the, the production that he put up. Uh, on on last week's game this was just a, an absolute shootout but calvin ridley went seven for 146 and three touchdowns uh i have to say uh, it was absolutely insane in terms of his performance uh were you expecting big things from ridley he's somebody who i have in quite a few of my dynasty leagues he's he's sitting on a few of my taxi squads and uh, uh i could have done with him this past week uh, to pick up some wins but your thoughts on ridley uh pre-season i guess and now as we look ahead to rest of season do you think we we can see him overtake Sanu and have that you know solidified uh wide receiver option on a weekly basis I would say possibly fitting in at that wide receiver tree at the moment uh, in terms of fantasy well the good news for folks who do not own Ridley is that there's a decent chance that you missed this game on your opponent's bench <laughs> right however yeah this this was the big breakout for him with those numbers he posted 26.7 points above expectation so based on where his targets were uh, he outscored the expected points by 26 and some change. This is the best game we've had in 2018, which when you consider what Deshaun Jackson did in week one uh, is impressive. It's the best game in terms of points over expectation, which both illustrates the explosiveness and you know, in some ways recommends a little bit of not skepticism, but conservatism in that we know that he outperformed what the volume was. On the other hand, when you have Julio Jones across from you over there and the defense has to take him away, certainly if not the best, one of the top three or four wide receivers in the NFL, the defense you know, really has to pick their poison there and they're going to continue to take away Julio. And Ridley is a guy who, much more than Mohamed Sanu, who is a solid NFL player, but is, is definitely a niche role player, not someone who is going to dictate to the defense or change an offense. Calvin Ridley may be that guy right we've talked a lot on the show about the two things you want to look for when you are evaluating wide receiver prospects and trying to decide if they'll outperform their draft slot the draft slot gives you a lot of 
information about what they're likely to score, what their ranges are, uh, in part because, especially early in their careers, that draft slot really locks them into a certain amount of opportunity. And, and clearly, opportunity makes the biggest difference in terms of what players do. But when you're looking at people who outperform and certainly not underperform, we're looking at guys who break out early in college and declare early for the NFL draft. And really, it's, it's a little bit of an odd deal there, and I think it created some uh, cognitive dissonance maybe uh, within the Rotomist staff because he was old at the different points that he went through uh, those college years, but in terms of experience-adjusted production, he was fantastic. He had a 31 dominator rating as a freshman. He finished with 30% career market share yards, obviously declared early for the draft and was a first round pick. So when you're looking at that overall profile, that's that's an excellent profile to where you would expect him to be a number three, number four, number five pick in rookie drafts. And that's not at all where he went, obviously. So he was a fantastic value. I do think that he's going to be the guy there in Atlanta. And I think that he was a much bigger threat to Jones and his volume this season than what was generally discussed. When you talk about Jones, you've got a guy who really has had to do it himself throughout most of his tenure uh, with the Falcons, certainly the last several years in particular. And now there's, there's a second guy. So it'll be interesting to see how this offense progresses Colin, where would you have him now in your rookie rankings? I think that he deserves, based on his college profile, his draft slot, and his early production now, uh, just through three weeks in the NFL, to move up to number two behind Saquon Barkley. Certainly, we haven't seen the production that perhaps we were looking for from the running backs. Is that realistic in terms of what you'd be considering, maybe trade value-wise, rankings-wise? Yeah, I know it's only really one performance, but that's exactly where I would uh, have it, Sean. I, I, in the preseason, in terms of my wide receivers for the rookies, I had him behind DJ Moore, and obviously he's had a lot more uh, production through those first couple of weeks of the season than Moore, and he was somebody who I liked. I liked the opportunity. I always like to have people, obviously if you have a, a wide receiver who's going to command a huge target share, like somebody like jones that can obviously hurt a wide receiver but it also can help wide receivers coming in we've seen it in the past with guys like you know you have antonio brown and then you have juju smith schuster gets an opportunity it takes the luck away a little bit from him somebody who it kind of reminds me of and how it could develop is uh, if you look at the houston texans you know somebody like uh, hopkins is going to get double covered a lot and that leaves room then for wall fuller on certain targets and we've seen when fuller's in the lineup that is helping how that team performs although they are zero and three deshaun watson looks a lot better with fuller in the lineup so i think sometimes having that absolute stud wide receiver across from you can actually open up opportunities then like you kind of touched on far Ridley and uh, Ridley is somebody who I'm very very hopeful for now moving forward I, I did like him coming in but uh, I think you know I, I'm not expecting this I think you know if you're getting either a touchdown or 70 yards per per week you'd be happy enough in the rookie season uh, and I, I think he's going to be somebody who, who can continue to develop uh, I like when wide receivers as well have the opportunity to work alongside wide receivers who are already at the top tier of the game and it helps them to also learn people sometimes i know we're talking fantasy we're looking into stats but sometimes it's the stuff that you can't see off the field somebody like julio jones when he came in he got somebody like roddy white sometimes you can learn tips uh, off the other wide receivers it helps you develop uh, and i think that readily has a chance now to, to really start to develop moving forward uh, into someone who uh, we can be looking at maybe next year as a possible candidate a bit like we have juju smith schuster this year speaking of this element where you have the star wide receiver and then maybe you have this secondary option uh, christian kirk is the other guy i was really looking at this season because you have larry fitzgerald 
in there to draw coverage to be the focal point for the defense and then beyond him the arizona cardinals really have nothing and kirk is a guy very very similar to ridley where you have that freshman breakout you have a little bit of a plateauing of the production from that point but the overall numbers are excellent again you have the early declare you've got uh, perhaps a, a little bit of a, a juju smith schuster situation with both guys not as much of a peak and valley as what he had but for both of them not coming off of this really splashy final season held their values down a little bit but with kirk you have that same potential for the targets to be very concentrated with him and fitzgerald and we've seen those targets jump a little bit from two to five to eight and his breakout performance a little bit this week in week three and now the interesting possibilities with josh rosen what are you looking for from kirk are you excited about the quarterback change well i think that it certainly can't be any worse than it was previously with uh, bradford i was expecting it to be you know I, i'm not the biggest sam bradford fan in the world but i usually can be pretty efficient in terms of uh, passing completion percentage and things like that but this offense has really just been so vanilla and struggled so badly uh, it's interesting you mentioned two the targets two five and eight he actually had one reception four receptions and eight or seven receptions so he said one uh, and completion per game so he's you know catching a lot of his opportunities in terms of that so it looks better now with three uh 12 receptions through three games than you know the one reception after one games obviously it's seven for 90 this past week so i was impressed with how he played this past week and if you look at the schedule coming up he has seattle coming up he has san francisco then he has minnesota which isn't a good matchup but outside of minnesota he has seattle san francisco denver san francisco uh the kansas city chiefs and the oakland raiders all the way up to week 11 so i can see this team possibly starting to have a, a little bit of a run here where they can improve things and i think it fits better with the change at quarterback as well uh to give them that opportunity it's one of those ones where i think if you have the opportunity to pick them up off a, a waiver wire or to have a trade i think most people are going to be like having them most most leagues i think he's going to be easily enough to pick up off waivers and that's that's where i would be going i'd be adding him to that bench because i do think that there's an opportunity coming up here for this team to improve not just kirk but the team in general you know david johnson uh larry fitzgerald i think things can improve and looking at the schedule moving forward sean do you think that's the case where this team can start to lock up uh, it'll be interesting to note as well if maybe the team had looked at you know the rams and chicago as two really tough defenses and thought maybe after week three we can put the rookie in there yeah and certainly you're looking ahead at those games with the chiefs and the raiders salivating at potential there <laughs> kirk has the chance now to outperform fitzgerald on the year now fitzgerald got off to a little bit of a low start slow start last year really came roaring back down the stretch we have no reason to think that his career is suddenly over that he's washed up simply because sam bradford can't move the offense but this starts to get more exciting now when you look at the cardinals with no weapons outside of david johnson and larry fitzgerald and you know even even that by itself is, is better than many teams but you remove bradford from the equation you put in a rookie who i believe will make mistakes but move the ball and from a fantasy owner perspective that's what you're really hoping for if, if you get a couple of these interceptions and that creates deficits you have to attack more that's even better for your wide receivers so if you can get kirk on waivers this is definitely the week to try and get him i'd put out some of those offers for trades if not this week look and see if maybe he has a little bit quieter week four put some more trade offers out for him then 
Yeah, I think it's uh, one one that could be worth it moving forward. And we all seen what happened with the Bills with the, the rookie quarterback last week. Uh, I think that was pretty easily the shock of the season. So Sean, heading into the fourth quarter, we're going to look at some of uh, the other observations from the week with Charles Kleinhaxel's article. Uh, he one of the things that stood out for me in this was Robert Woods in terms of his uh, percentage of target share so far for the Rams. I've been impressed with the Rams' offense heading in. I thought they might slow down after what we've seen last year, but they've actually looked even even better than they did if that's possible from last year but with his target share heading into week four do you expect that to continue with guys like cooper cup and cooks do you think that might slow down i think the the team may be just getting started and uh, it just turns out that woods is the go-to guy in this offense the concern for woods and also for cup and cooks at the ADPs that they had going into the season would be difficult to support all of those because of what you mentioned with target share. But the great thing about the Rams is that uh, like many, if not most of the high scoring teams from the past, the pie gets a lot bigger when your offense is that explosive. They also have a similar thing going on as the Detroit Lions, where when you do not have a tight end that factors into the receiving game at all, then you're not in the same situation as teams like the Eagles or the Chiefs or the Patriots, where those tight ends are taking out a big chunk of the overall volume. So right now we have Robert Woods at number nine overall in expected points. So again, his targets based on their location what we would expect from them he's in the top 10 I and mean, his volume is top 10 overall and then he has outperformed that very minimally you know cooks at 22 cup at 26 so almost three guys in the top 25 so you have three guys in the top 30 there that can continue in this offense because you don't have the tight end and because you score a lot of points you put your players in better situations when you move the ball you get down there in the red zone. Uh, he's not going to have these multi-touchdown games every week. But all three of these guys, it, going into the season, it seemed like a situation where you wanted to really pick your spots. And I have a lot of woods because he was the third of those three guys. So if you're just taking kind of a, a risk-averse perspective and saying, well, I, I do think this offense is going to score. I don't know for sure how it's going to look. But Woods was fantastic last season. Let's just take the cheapest of the three. That's worked out so far, but I also think it's actually going to work out for owners of all three of those guys in 20. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I was in on Robert Woods from last season, and then I just thought that the other guys were more expensive, but uh, it just looks like the offense is uh, ticking on all cylinders. A bit like the Chiefs, who I did, I did, I said this a couple of times in the offseason to you, Sean. The Chiefs cannot be uh, the greatest offense of all time, uh, you know, with the way their ADP is set up, but. Uh, it looks like at the moment they may just be <laughs> the greatest offense of all time so we'll see how it keeps going for the rest of the season another player i mentioned him a little bit earlier when we talked about ridley is dj moore is he a good buy low do you think uh, heading into the bye week um you know his uh, usage has uh, been up uh, and down so far this season but it looks like uh, it's on the increase it's possible with the bye week here the things may pick up uh, heading into week five is he somebody that you're interested uh, in picking up he was as i mentioned at the start of the the draft season in dynasty he was my number one wide receiver now i would have uh, readily ahead of him what's your thoughts uh, long term and should week five be a spot that we we start to see more from more well the 
blurb here for the first 10 was from Monty Fawn. And uh, we definitely want to highlight Monty. He has been writing a bunch of, of really fun articles for the site about playing high stakes, what that experience is like, what you need to do in these environments, what are some of the takeaways from these high pressure leagues. And he gives us this insight here on Moore, points out that in the first two games, Moore was on the field for just a quarter of the offensive plays, but on Sunday he was in for nearly 50% of the snaps, more than Jarius Wright, who obviously we've seen maybe more contribution from than more owners were hoping for. Uh, behind Devin Funches at 78%, behind Torrey Smith at 66%. And Money points out that Moore's line wasn't great, which uh, anyone who started him, and I doubt that that was the case for anyone, probably more likely to be someone you're hoping for in your best ball lineups. But uh, one catch for three yards on two targets, that's that's not what you're looking for. But Monty also points out that we saw the potential on the 51-yard score the previous week and that once more overtakes Smith, which I love Torrey Smith, but he continues to have trouble uh, making you know even many of the routine catches. And, and this offense, right, it, it has the chance to really explode now that we have Christian McCaffrey at the level that that many of us were expecting and that his resume suggested right so you have cam newton you have devin funches you have christian mccaffrey and just that especially obviously newton and mccaffrey are so dynamic that this offense is going to be difficult to stop you put dj Moore in there and suddenly you're talking about one of those offenses that is extremely scary every week so Moore is going to go in there i still like him to i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that unless he digs another couple hundred yard hole, multi-touchdown hole uh, in the next two or three weeks, then Moore is going to lead this team in fantasy points from the receiving position. Hopefully we'll see that move over there by here in week four. I still think I would be going uh, for Funches, but in terms of the value at the moment, I think uh, there's definitely, uh, like I mentioned with Kirk, an opportunity to get him on those rosters. Uh, and let's get into overtime, Sean. So, Sean, jumping straight into overtime, a couple of rapid fire ones to end the show. The first one up is Josh Garden, obviously traded to the New England Patriots from the Cleveland Browns. You know, he's uh, obviously was a healthy scratch, uh, well, healthy depending on his hamstring he was a scratch he sat out uh, the game uh, the first uh, opportunity that he had with the Patriots um, you know you have uh, a lot of uh, people probably still having huge expectations for him but with how the Patriots struggled uh, in this past week Julian Edelman due to come back soon what's your thoughts on how Garden could fit into this offense is he somebody that you're worth taking a shot on or is it somebody who you're just uh, leaving to set it's one for me that uh i don't have pretty much any josh garden shares anywhere whether it be dynasty or in redraft what's your thoughts on garden yeah well this one came to us from from brian malone and and he was saying that he keeps moving up uh, gordon in his rankings because uh, because he must be a slow learner now uh, anybody who's read anything from brian knows that that is not the case i don't know if there is a more fun or insightful fantasy writer out there in the fantasy community yeah, Gordon's one of those guys where I think you're trying to buy and trying to sell based on uh, just what the price is in any given league where I don't have him, uh, you know, throwing out a few trade offers where I do have him, uh, trying to get a hold of those people who have been interested in buying before. I mean, what's the most likely situation here, right? I mean, he's going to go out, he's going to try hard for a couple weeks, he's going to have a 200-yard game, and then he's immediately not going to show up for practice. And so 
there's probably going to be a trade window in there after he has one of those games where you can unload him pretty high but it's very difficult to see him fitting with what the patriots do for any period of time moving on then the next one is uh the cowboys offense um it's really hard at the moment to be able to trust it outside of uh, suppose zeke elliott i think dak prescott has looked really really poor uh through his last eight games he has failed to top 180 yards passing uh you know we sometimes expect him to be able to add a little bit of his legs but this offense just doesn't look like it is anywhere going injuries to the offensive line you know that was the the big hope for this team in the last kind of three or four years was elliott behind the offensive line giving dak time to make those passes but is there any of them that you're targeting rest of season outside of Elliot? You know, it's uh, it's just not looking good for the Cowboys, and I really have some concerns about Dak Prescott moving forward as a as an NFL quarterback from a passing perspective. Right, and so far we have four receptions from Hearns. We have three receptions from Gallup. Kind of the two guys who are promoted as potentially being able to make this offense work uh, all through the offense, all through the off season. I was voicing concerns that Elliot could be the 2016 Todd Gurley, right? So the Todd Gurley before Sean McVay. And that hasn't exactly come to fruition so far. And and Elliot right now is ahead of David Johnson in terms of targets. So, I mean, David Johnson has been a bigger concern even than Elliot, but this office is not doing what it needs to do. So one of the things that you might consider, and I think the very frustrating thing for Elliott owners when they have worked themselves through the suspension last year and the uncertainty with all that, but if you could move Elliott, and you're going to have to throw in extra pieces, but if you could move Elliott for Saquon Barkley, this would be the perfect time to do that. The question is how much extra would you be willing to pay when i mean most owners of elliot are, are big time elliot believers would would you do that trade how much do you think you would have to pay to get barkley uh, if you were offering elliot as part of the deal and we're looking in redraft or are we looking in dynasty redraft e- either way i think this the situations are are maybe fairly similar in that this this first year is going to be probably the emphasis yeah when you look at barkley and elliot um elliot somebody who um, with this offense it just hasn't impressed me at all this offseason and um, he's had the issue in the past with the suspension going back to last year so you know i'd have concerns long term and dynasty looking that way uh, in terms of who i'd rather have at the moment it would be barkley i think if you're looking in dynasty uh, because he would have been likely the first overall pick in the first round whoever has him at this point uh, you'd be looking at a situation where you need to add a little bit more on top of what you'd be given with ezekiel elliott um, i think you'd be looking at giving a second round pick from 2019 to be able to get that deal done and that would be something i'd be willing to do if i was in a position to do that in terms of redraft if you look where it was coming into the season where we had uh, elliot going a little bit higher than barkley in most cases uh, it'd be a situation where you'd be looking to add a little bit in yet again you could shop around uh, it just depends on how the owner's preferences are but i would rather have barkley in both cases you'd likely have to be willing to give up you know Elliot and a wide receiver to get the deal done um, but again that would be something I'd be willing to do if I could do it I, I think I would be willing to give a Chris Hogan or a Marvin Jones or a Marquise Goodwin along with Elliot to get Barkley but I guess I just I don't think even that will get the trade done in most situations speaking of, of tricky trades we're going to finish the show today with Le'Veon Bell it's looking more and more like the entire season might be on the table 
if you had Elliot and you were a big Bell fan, you could perhaps give Elliot and get Bell plus quite a bit more back. Uh, I know there are plenty of people out there who have dynasty teams where they are 3-0 and and sitting on Bell and have that difficult decision to make of do I wait for him where he will, even if he gets traded to a team where the fit isn't quite as good. I mean, you're talking about Le'Veon Bell and that high value touch magic, just the, the perfect player for generating fantasy points. So immediately goes back to a 20 plus player a 20 plus per game guy uh are you trading for him are you trying to get rid of him uh, if you did draft him what are you doing with him now uh the only leagues any league I, I was very fortunate and it was a very easy situation heading into the season i think more people really should have done it and avoided the situation is that if i did have that kind of second overall pick a lot of the time todd Gurley was either going first or second if i did finish uh, in a situation where Lev bell was the other guy left i did take bell in those positions but i also took james connor then later in the draft so fortunately in my redraft leagues i would be able to have that situation uh, i don't own bell in any leagues in dynasty i i'm very uh, I, I don't own a lot of the top end running backs uh, in any formats usually um, and then with that as well the other part of it is when he has that, that previous suspension I tend to stay away from players like that so I, I don't really I'm not in this situation uh, fortunately enough but what I would be recommending is uh, he's one of those players that I would be keeping because I think if you're trying to move him now you're unlikely to get the value that he would have when he would get back on the field it's one of those ones i would be holding and then when either he is traded or whether it's next off season he signs a contract with another team the hype will build up we often see that it's the same with i, I would value him now in those leagues as similar to an injured player or when they get the injury the value drops and then the value picks up then when it gets to the point when they're coming back on the field but you obviously can't do that in uh, draft leagues but you need to be thinking if you're starting off the season and your team's struggling you're going to get into the bye weeks you're going to need to have that bench spot open uh, so i would be looking to move bell in those situations to try and make sure i can get the wins now because if he if say eventually comes back even in week eight you're going to be in a situation where uh you're going to be in a situation where you may already be out of playoff contention so uh, it looks like the steelers are okay at the moment with james connor so i, I would be trying to move him in season long leagues i had a, a trade this past week where i was able to pick him up for Cortland Sutton and a future second round pick. And it really illustrates how quickly a player's value can fall when there's uncertainty that even that, I feel like there is a decent chance that I will lose out on it. However, certainly looking to pick him up where he is available uh, at prices in that range, uh, <laughs> tried to sell him in, in some situations where I included him and multiple other players for Barkley and uh, was told that was not close, which I don't necessarily disagree with. He's someone I think that if you have a bad team, you should be trying to get. One of the things that is absolutely is an exploitable situation, I think, for rebuilding owners is to look at players like this. You see people rebuilding are really trying to stockpile draft picks, but you should also be trying to stockpile injured players and players like bell now blair andrews has had some great research on the site showing that injuries actually can have more of a long-term concern in terms of production than what we tend to think people don't just bounce back to their previous level but if you're rebuilding you know don't just try and get 2020 third round picks i mean the value of that is going to be pretty minimal to you for a long time 
if you can get players like a Jarek McKinnon, like a Marquise Lee, like a Le'Veon Bell to go with some of these rookies that you're going to try and pick next year, that's how you can put your team together very, very quickly. And you should be willing to give up some of those guys who are not helping you this year to get the job done. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that side. If you're like, you know, that's the difference. And if you're in a contender or a rebuilder, you know, if you can give up a first round pick and get Bell, uh, you know, that, that's something I'd be doing. Uh, every single time so uh, it just depends on those situations and that was a, a very very good point there so just as we wrap up i just want to mention again at the start of the show i talked about the road of his uh, patreon page that we have up the uh, podcast with mike randall and uh, david chow talking about injuries definitely one to go and check out uh, you can get that by signing up to the road of his patreon page dave cabin and anthony amico will be back on road of his live this week doing the show at 11 a.m eastern do check that out of course subscribe to the podcast on itunes and that is going to do it for today's edition of road of his radio my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over tomorrow my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow at ff underscore contrarian and that will do us for this one until we're back next week have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>